0: You are now listening to the Claim It podcast with me, your host, Trisha Huffman, your joyologist. On this podcast, I have conversations with people who inspire and intrigue me, getting into the journey of their lives. This week's episode is slightly different because I had back on Gary John. Bishop, who is the author of the million copy New York Times bestseller, Unfuck Yourself. His, I believe, fifth book, he wasn't even sure, um, he believes it's his fifth book, just came out called Love Unfucked. They put un on the information and on the book, but I think we all know what that means. And so I was so excited to get to talk to him again since I've already had him on and we did a deep dive into his life and it was so good. And this time he was only available for a short bit. So, what I am doing first is giving you the conversation I just had with him. It's a short, about 25 minute conversation where we talk about his new book, Love Unfucked, and why he wrote a relationship book and what it really is about. And then I'm going to splice it together with the conversation we had in August of 2020 that goes into his life journey, because why not? I think he's pretty cool, and I loved our conversation. So here we go. Mm -hmm. All right. So first of all, I saw in your book that just came out, congratulations. What is this for you now? Five?
1: Uh, I think this is book number five.
0: <laughs> you don't even know.
1: <laughs> I'm working on, I'm, I'm like up to my eyeballs in book six right now. So <laughs> you
0: just keep going. But I saw that you wrote like that you'd been think- wanting to do a relationship book for a while, but you're waiting for the right time. Yeah. So what happened that made it be the All right. Line? Well.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I am generally just pissed off at the personal development you know kind of space, right? because um, I, I see people and well-intentioned people and but I, they put stuff out and I'm like, no. <laughs> Give
0: <laughs> no. some examples of the things that make you go no and cringe and get mad. Right,
1: right. So it's stuff like, you know, love is 50/50 or, you know, like I'm like, no. You're you're just setting two people up to observe one another, right? So, like, you guys stop doing it. We're trying to connect them, um, or you know, tips on communication. Which you know, communication's good, but but it never really gets to the heart of things. And so, I wanted to give people some kind of work that they could do that would free them up from something. And um, and so, I've been dying to do this. But it just was never quite the right moment uh, until about a year ago. when I'm just like, I, I got to do this relationship. It's got to come out. So, yeah, that's what you're looking at.
0: So it wasn't even necessarily like a thing that happened, but more like it had been simmering for a while. But then maybe you have another idea you're writing about or whatever. And then finally you're like, all right, I got to fucking do this. Like- right, right. And, it's, <laughs> and it comes work. down
1: to this, like, it comes down to this, like, um, like, 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 you know, I take this kind of holistic view of what I, of a human being, how we work, what what makes us tick, what's in the way, what gets us stopped, or what gets us stuck. And um, so, this is more like another part of that, where you can see like in the area of love. Oh my gosh, yeah! Like it seemed like you know, and I do mention this in the book. I'll say you know, you'll notice the common denominator in all your sucky relationships. Right? It's we can change the personnel, but somehow the results don't turn out the same, like what's happening, right? And um, Whatever that what's happening is, the answer to that is, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about that, because I think if we talk about that, then you have power. And I think if we talk about what's on the other end of the table from you, you have no power, or certainly limited power.
0: So if you, when you're talking about what others, so it's like, yeah, when in relationships, it's like more focus on you and what's holding you back or what you're like, yeah, what's going on within you and not like what's wrong with them.
1: Right. So somebody might say to me, well, what do you do with somebody who blah, 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 blah. And I'll say, well, what do you do with somebody who tolerates that?
0: Right. Because that's what I was going to say. Like, in some ways it can then be like, oh, so if it's all my stuff then, then I just work on me and then that relationship will just work out. But sometimes it's just realizing, no, maybe why are you even in that relationship?
1: That's sometimes the thing, right? Um, What what you really need to understand is sometimes people get challenged by my work because we live in a culture of blame. Okay, So culturally, blame is a big thing. Um, You can't really engage with no, certainly my work, if that's the pathway you're going to choose, you have to get step back from the blind thing. This isn't about who's to blame, you know, because people will see it and they'll say, oh, love, i fuck, OK, so get your relationship. So it's my fault. No, no, it's not anybody's fault. I want to get to what's going on. And if you can pull back from that, say, yeah, what do I bring to the table? What incompletions, what what hope, what hang ups, what truths and beliefs? Have I brought to the table here that we are actually now arguing over? Right, this is now the battleground. What if I could get that to the side for a moment and take a look at, like, well, what what else could be here? So it begins with, yeah, the mirror, of course, and it always begins with a mirror. I don't care what situation you're in, you know, you must begin with a mirror. And following directly on from that is some kind of truth that you've been avoiding or pretending. And right after that, there's clarity. And, and, in, and in this book, though, I took it a step further. I actually started to ask you like, to get in touch with what lights you up as a human being, what empowers you, what enlivens you, and why is your relationship not about that? If you take away this element of blame or looking over the table, what's it going to take from you You have your relationship.
0: Be up with that. So what? So you definitely mentioned the mirror. Like two things I got while you were talking were like self awareness and personal responsibility, perhaps like having an awareness of those things in a relationship. But then you're throwing in okay, and also what lights you up, and what and so, so yeah, dive more into that. So if that is like right, so you know, be aware of your shit in that stuff but also besides that like is it am I actually in a relationship that nurtures my joy does the person have the similar things that light them up like what yeah yeah
1: yeah but you can see you're now kind of getting compelled to ask these questions right
0: I might go by your joyologist and I'm all about joy and this is funny also by the way I transitioned out of relationship with the children of my The father of the children of my father. The father of my children.
1: Yeah. If you'd stepped out of the relationship with the children of your father. I don't
0: know what What I'm talking about. Anyway, so I went through my own like relationship deep dive in the last few years. And it is such an interesting thing where I did like was like in this year, I have a bigger connection to my joy that I didn't realize I had really actually lost. I didn't even realize I had lost it. And so I'm very intrigued by this where it is like, yeah, what? Yeah. Like. Are we looking for joy in the relationship? Or even if you're in a relationship that you feel like is struggling and you do want it to work out, are you saying to put more focus on joy?
1: Well, I'm going to give you something. I think it's an interesting little conundrum you've gotten yourself into. Uh, But it's good. It's good because, see, often we want things in relationship, right? And... It's actually the wrong way around see if you think just think of the logic i want this in my relationship where are you looking
0: so if you're saying like i want blank in my relationship or i want my relationship to be more where am i looking where are you looking i mean the first thing that's coming to me is that that usually is that like you're looking outside of yourself
1: well yeah you're looking at them.
0: looking at something else oh, like you're looking for either the other person is applying it or I can find that you could be comparing yourself to someone else's relationship. Like, oh, they have it, right?
1: Right. So when you think when you get into a relationship, right, and this is true of a tremendous amount of relationships. When you meet someone and you're in that kind of space of like, I love you and oh my gosh, what's, what's underneath that is there's something about them that solves something about you. And vice versa. There's something about them, the way that they are, or the way that they behave, or the way that they live their life, that takes care of something that you have maybe struggled with. Right? So I've never felt this way about anyone. Oh my gosh, it feels amazing. I love you, you know. And and what you should know is it's the same for the other person. There's something about you that's taking care of something about them. What you discover after a certain amount of time is that thing never got resolved for you. And you're still left with it. Whatever that thing was. In love unfucked, I'm saying you need to sort that shit out. You need to get So that famous line, you know, the Tom Cruise line, you know, you complete me, right? Yeah, that's the fucking piece of the pie that you were like, oh my God, it's you. You're the one. Right. And then a few years later, you're like, you're a big fucking problem for me. Like this is not going well. Right. Because because that thing is still there. That you must you must get resolved. So in the book I put it in slightly different terms. I say, think of all relationships like an agreement. And in this agreement between me and you, there's what I've said, and there's what I haven't said. And it's all included, right? It's all part of this agreement. But we make that agreement, right? Both explicit and implied. We make that agreement, right? If I move in with you, I'm making an agreement. I might not even be like, oh, yeah, and this and this and this and this. But there's an agreement. Right, that, there life. was an
0: agreement happening whether it's not like you've made like a pact, this is what we're doing and this is that. It's just like you are making a really agreement by being in a relationship. Right,
1: I don't have to tell you that I don't want to come home at night and find you in bed with a fucking camel. I don't have to tell you that. That's pretty much, you, you know, that's in, right? But people never do is first make the agreement with themselves. Like, all right, you fucking asshole, you know what you do. And you know your hang up. And you know what your hooks are. And you know what your triggers are. And you know how you sabotage. And you know what you haven't handled. And you know what you're still incomplete about. And you know that, 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 And knowing all of that, are you know, in a place where you can say to this person, let's do this. Because if you haven't done that work, you're not in a spot to say, I fucking do. It. You're only in a spot to say, I do, but I'm not sure if I can manage myself. Because if somebody does X, Y, or Z, I'm likely to do A, B, and C by default. So I'm saying to people, and and I'm showing you the way to do it in this book, Um, you can get these things resolved for yourself. And you can actually put yourself in a much better spot by authentically being in a relationship not to solve something, not to fix something, but rather to be in a space of like exploring something and creating something and being someone who can continually create and bring to the table the kind of relationship that they are connected with. That doesn't necessarily mean your partner's going to bring that same relationship. They're going to bring what they bring. But that's the magic of it. That's when there's the opportunity for two people to create the relationship that they want and explore that with one another as opposed to like a fucking checklist of what I'm getting or what I need or what I want, which is just never turns out well.
0: Yeah, I totally get that. And I have learned. And honestly, like, so my relationship ended, but in many ways healed a lot of stuff because I do feel like, that I had to face a lot of stuff that yeah. for years I knew, like, and it was me dealing with my own. So I wanted to be like, oh, it's all blah, 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 blah. And then I realized like, well there's a lot of my own stuff. And so, and, and I chose that, you know, we're still in a great relationship, but like chose to do a different way. But yeah, like it was like a lot of me facing stuff that I thought I had already faced or.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm going to assert something for all people. I'm going to say all people, when they go into a relationship are both trying to fix something.
0: Or, yeah, or, and it does, like, so it's funny because I never went into relationship like, oh, I want somebody to complete me. Like, I was like, no, I'm a strong, independent person, blah, 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 and this. But really deep down, as much as I had a, have always had a strong sense of self-worth, there is very much in that realm. I was never, like, the person picked. I was, like, the best friend of all the cool guys and the hot guys and stuff like that. So because of that, I did have a lot of s- self-worth issues in relationship areas of thinking, I'm so awesome and badass, but really, nobody wants me. Nobody's going to choose right.
1: me. Right. Very <laughs> good. Right. Now, now, now there's that an interesting... That's really good and very authentic to you to just kind of like be vulnerable enough to say that because a lot of people won't say that. But we are driven by these these kind of dark spots in the background of ways. We're driven by them. And, and if you don't recognize the ways in which and the different ways in which it can drive you... You'll go down that pathway because that dark spot is designed for two things. One, familiarity, you recognize it, you know it, and it's almost like it is you. And but secondly, you're driven to overcome it, but not transform it. You're driven to overcome it. And if you feel as if you've overcome it, you'll find the evidence for it so that you can overcome it again. So it'll just keep so even people who say So if I'm driven by this notion that I'm unloved and you say, I love you, I'm like, well, that's fucking great. I mean, it's kind of bullshit, but that's great. I mean,
0: like you don't fully believe it, but you still want it, but a part of
1: I mean, this, I feel good right now and I'm glad that you said that. Do you know what love is really though? I mean, I, I, I like that you're saying it, but I'm not sure whether you really know it. What am I doing? I'm invalidating it. Why? Because at some level, I can't be with the idea that you love me. It completely conflicts with what I fundamentally believe about myself. Right? And those two things cannot live together for any extended period of time. They'll live together for a while, and then I'll dig a hole for it. Like, I'll invalidate it. I'll either invalidate it, you, or me. One of the three. So I'll either invalidate your love, or I'll invalidate you, or I'll invalidate my ability to receive it.
0: Yeah, interesting. I so yeah, like I like I said, I feel like I healed a lot with that end relationship because I I do I and I'm guessing you believe this too, where that sort of like you can be in relationship after relationship relationship, but if you don't like heal that like if you don't there is that thing that missing thing whatever, and if you don't end up healing, then you're just gonna keep like whatever like finding the person. It's me, Trisha, bringing you a brief interruption to make sure you don't miss out on this amazing skincare line. Blissoma. You got to go check them out and actually try them out. I know skincare can be confusing. There's so many brands, so many products, so many things. Blissoma knows what they are doing. Go back and listen to the Julie episode. She is the creator, and you will see it is truly authentic green beauty, cutting edge chemistry meets traditional herbal knowledge for the best of both worlds. Their products are based on whole herb extracts, unrefined oils, and fresh juices. They're rich with antioxidants, bioavailable vitamins, essential fatty acids, and complex phytonutrients that are usually missing in refined commercial skincare products. Look, there's a ton of brands out there, and a lot of them say they're natural, say they're green, say they're clean, and they may not be telling the actual truth. Go check out Blissoma. They have been rated the holy grail of facial cleansers for their free rejuvenating gel cleanser, which by the way, if you sign up for their newsletter, you get a free sample of it. Their Miracle facial oil called Omega, or no, Omega Miracle facial oil called Restore was requested on set for L fanning while working on Maleficent 2. Their products are the real deal and that are made to work with your skin not against it, and to truly heal your skin. And it really have been said to help people that even have the most troubling and sensitive skin. Go to blissoma.com. You can take their little quiz and see which products they feel are best for your skin. Go check them out, blissoma.com. So but I'm someone I'm not like, all right, let me get out there and dating. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll try dating or whatever. And I heard myself say to one of my best friends the other day, like, I don't even know if I'll ever like be in like a relationship, like, you know, like I'll just have fun, but I don't know, like ever be in a relationship, you know, like that again. And I think I'm OK with it. Like I had sort of like been and I was like, I, you know, like, yeah, be nice. And I don't even know if I want to like sleep in the same bed as somebody every night, like sort of like that. And I fully believed myself when I said it. And then after the fact, I was like, Jesus Christ, Trisha, that you said that because you don't believe you're gonna find someone. And so you just said, Oh, it's fine. Like, but I was like, No, really, I would love for someone to like do this. But it was like still so like embedded in me that I'm like, I'm fine. I'm so happy to be like single and don't have somebody messing up my life and
1: like uh, well well I always it's always the same, right? Like so what I thought you, you, there's, there's the kind of benefits of whatever you're at, so if you're in a relationship there's the benefits of being in a relationship, right and then there's like, the downside of that, which is like, I don't get to fucking do what I want you know, like half the opposite thing with this other fucking person, and I don't know that. but when you're single, it's like, oh yeah, I do fucking get to go fucking drink coffee and have to ask moment. what he yeah. wants for dinner, or what like, have like these and little then,
0: things
1: <laughs> and then here I am fucking stuffing popcorn in my mouth watching Netflix alone on a Friday night and I'm like, fuck this shit right so, so it doesn't matter where you go. You have to always realize that whatever coffee shop you choose, it always smells like coffee. So there's no getting away from that, that being in a relationship brings what that brings and being alone or being, you know, being single brings what that brings. And I think it's okay to say, you know, I don't want to be in a relationship right now. I'm actually okay where I'm at, right? I think it gets a little absurd when you say shit like, I'll never, right? Like, I mean, it's like saying I'll never eat cheese again. Well, you know, you fucking might, you know, who knows, right? Um, but, but it's okay to be located there. I, I think you're selling yourself a little short if you're just like, no. Yeah, it was,
0: I was like, I'm happy to be single now. And like, but it was. Yeah. I realized, though, that a part of me after my hearing myself say that out loud, that it sort of stayed with me. And I was like, yeah, I am in a place like that where I'm happy to be single. But at the same time, like, I think that a part of me still believes this, like, nobody's going to love me enough. Yeah, as I am. yeah, it's not. I don't
1: think it's resolved, but I'll give you another piece that I like. I like that you heard yourself saying it out loud because there's a lot of what we believe. That if you came out your mouth, you'd be like, what the fuck is that? Right? Like, if it came out, actually came out your mouth, right? Like, you he said, oh yeah, like, I'm unloved. What the fuck? Like, what the fuck am I saying? Right? Or, you know, I'm incapable. Or I'm not good enough. Like, like say it to somebody. Walk up, you know what I mean? Like, actually, yeah, I'm not good enough. Not, I don't think I'm good enough. He actually walked up to somebody and says, I'm not good enough you'd get the fucking absurdity of some of the noise that rattles around in your cage.
0: Um, Okay. One thing I was scrolling through your social media before you popped on, and I don't even know if this is from your book or related to your book, but this statement, I really was like, Oh, that's interesting. It said, it's all love and fear. That's it. Nothing else. Can you talk about that?
1: Um, Those are the two poles from which you swing. So you're, everybody's dealing with fear. And ultimately, fear is what's in the way of love. That's it. There's nothing else. People talk about hangups and trust, and it's fear. If you just keep, you know, one of the things that I do, um, and I and I do it laboriously, like I, you know, I'm slaving away at it, is layer, 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 layer. Get that out the way, out the way, out the way. And you arrive at something. You always arrive at something, and it's always something really fundamental. It gets complicated by the layers and the conversations and the noise, so you can't quite see it. But it's but as a human being, you know, you're 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 spending a lifetime functioning from fear. You're, you're always coming from it. Um and when you see it that way, it's kind of like, oh wow. Like, you know, in, in your friendships, and you know, I don't want to be late at this meeting, why not? Well, because it's not right. See, you know, you should always be on time and you'll see that what you're really concerned about is what they're going to think of you, right? It's not about being on fucking time, right? Um, and for people who, you know, on the other end of that spectrum, you know, like they're always fucking lying. You know, they're always, it's got to be prepared. It's got to be done right. I've got to take care of this. I've got to take care of that. They're, they're driven by fear. And it's always in the way of love. It's always in the way of you truly expressing what's going on with you. And I would say in large part it's your job to to move that out of the way. Whatever's in the way, whatever you're hanging on to. And I'm not saying it's easy, but it is your job. You know, like like you, you people are never like stuck, stuck. They're always stuck in some few.
0: I think it's, is it mostly the fear of being judged, but then is, which is really like the fear of not being enough?
1: Um, no, if you, if you take, so it's kind of flipped, see if I'm flipped, if I'm, if I'm not enough and then I'm judged for not being enough, then what? And then you gotta, you gotta kind of really look at like, well, what would happen if I'm not approved of or I'm not accepted or I'm not admired that I'm not. Then what? So what you'll find is you'll be alone. And not alone, like alone, you know, fucking eating MMs and
0: watching, watching Hulu or
1: yeah. starting Netflix or something, right? Like, oh fucking Hulu, awesome. Um, not that alone. It's excluded. It's like I'm not included. Like I'm not like life is happening and I'm not allowed in. That's the fear. That's and that's a primal fear that goes back to I read this brilliant thing on Neanderthals, and why they failed, Neanderthals traveled in very small groups, and they could survive on their own, threes and fours and fives, they were stronger, they were faster. Uh, Homo sapiens, actually at the very even beginnings of their existence, were were congregating in groups of 80 and 100, because that was safer. So for a homo sapien, if you were alone, you're pretty much fucked. Right. There was animals who are actively hunting you. Well, that's built into us. We're we built in that fear of not being in the tribe, whatever the tribe may be, however small the tribe may be, it doesn't matter. Are you in it? And if you're not in it, how can you turn yourself inside out to be part of it? And then you complain that you don't feel like you're really yourself.
0: Mm, yeah. So interesting. Like I want to be accepted. I want, so you don't want to be alone. So I want to be accepted, which for me is like still then going to like not enough being judged, but then yes, then you're in the group and then you feel like you don't get to be yourself.
1: I know because you created this Uh, you that you think will get you in.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So I like that though. But yeah, if you're keeping that that pro- that present, like it's all love or fear, then like reminding yourself when you're in a space of fear, like, okay, how can I switch this to love? And whether that's showing yourself love or how can I just be more loving in the world or say this more loving or whatever, because yeah. it's like, oh, you want to have a relationship conversation, but you're not going to because you're afraid what's going to happen. So you never have the conversation.
1: Right. And so <laughs> you're never really yourself. <laughs> right. So you're never yourself. Like, I say, to, I say to people, now, and, I've, and it's been a harsh lesson to learn in coaching people and for myself. Um, you know, you, you don't want to depart this mortal coil never having been yourself. The, the key here is be yourself and let the chips fall where they may. And you should want that for other people, even the ones you're in a relationship with. If you can't give them, the, you can't ask for acceptance and not accept. It's absurd. The key is, I accept you for who you are. It's not for me, but I accept you. That's, and it's absurd that I would want you to be someone else, which is a lot of the times that's where we end up. Like, I love you, but it would be even better if you were different. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. I know we got kind of to wrap up. Just the last thing, back to the book. Yeah. I was at first even surprised like, oh, he writing like a relationship book. But then immediately from paging through it, I was like, oh, right. Because it is a lot of dealing with your own bullshit. Right. working <laughs> right. on it to be able to be in an actual <laughs> deep communicative relationship. So yeah, I'm guessing is this for people, whether they're single and searching or they want to better the relationship or...
1: All, all ends, all ages. Like, I don't care. Well, if you're in a relationship, out of a relationship, want to be in one, never want to be in one again, want to get over one.
0: It's also probably your relationship with yourself is the key, which in then it. is your relationship ha- with your friends. Because I think there's so much trouble still even with people having relationship with friends.
1: Right. This is a transformational book, right? You can't help but ping your way through these pages and be like, oh, shit. And I believe those are the best books. the ones that are, you have tons of old shit moments.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for taking some time to chat with me. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. All right. So that was the current 2022 conversation that I just had with Gary John Bishop talking about his new book, Love Unfuck, And uh, now... We're going to get into the conversation we had back in August 2020, tracking the journey of his life. Here we go. So let's start. I like to get into maybe childhood, but I feel like mostly like teenage years. What was your life as a teenager? Because I feel like as a teenager, we can be in a variety of like wanting to fit in, but stand out, trying to figure out how we're going to be. Do we go to college? Because it's expected of us because we want to. Like, where were you in those years?
1: So I I was in Glasgow, Scotland in my teenage years. And um, this was during the time of, you know, Margaret Thatcher. And so there was rampant unemployment. And it was really pretty significant for a lot of young men and women in Scotland at that time. So my concern was, you know, believe it or not, even at 15, you know, I was thinking, how am I going to make a living? You know, and it wasn't, oh, I'm going to college or something. You know? <laughs> that just wasn't even on my radar.
0: Like, how am I going to make money to be able to feed yeah, myself? Yeah, like, it's like, sort of, know, yeah. Like, you know, and it was, you know, there was...
1: It was all about security, you know, you wanted something that was long-term, and I was kind of raised in that environment, you know, like, you got to think long-term, you know. So, on my mind was, get a government job, or, you know, will I get an apprenticeship and become a tradesman? And then, fun, you know, as, as I turned 16, I left the high school at 16. My first job was working in the office uh, at a theater, <laughs> which was like a a left turn but I'd I'd always kind of you know I'd been into music and all that kind of stuff when I was a kid so you know I kind of thought well this will be awesome you know I'll go work in a theatre you know which was excruciatingly painful for a 16 year old Scottish boy you know because it was all it was all women you know and so I was painfully embarrassed you know I was shy I was really really shy and they did an awesome job of trying to kind of coax me out, you know, but I was just like not having it. I'm like, no, I would mumble under my breath. And, but I did it, you know, it was great for me. But yeah, I would say like that was a big concern was how to make a living, how to forge a life for myself. I knew even then I was going to have to get it done myself.
0: Yeah. And so you're, pro- I'm guessing you're not like thinking like, what am I passionate about? Oh, like, am- hell it's just up. like, what will give me sustainable living? Like the benefits, the, the yeah. like longevity.
1: I'm like everybody else. My yeah. passions yeah. happened at the weekend, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, you, know, you know, I mean, this is a new thing, by the way, this whole thing for living my passion and all this stuff. That's not how people have lived in the past. It was like, how do I pay the power bill? Yeah. Right. And then maybe I'll build train sets at night or something. Right. But but I'm not. I mean, the idea of living a passionate life was foreign to me. It might have been. I mean, I was. I mean, I, some people like to see, you know, well we were working class. Oh, yeah. You know, when I look back at my childhood, I felt as if we were aspiring to be working class. You know, like I really felt as if that was a part of my. You know, I mean, where I'm from in Scotland. As I like to say, I'm from the side of the tracks where they stole the tracks, right? <laughs> I mean, it wasn't it wasn't the most um, salubrious of environments. But at the same time, you know i I loved it. I, you know, I, I still do love. I'm from the East End of Glasgow. I love the East End. I love the people there. And what is the East End? So the East End is kind of like the bad side of Philly. Oh, okay right? So so the parts of Philly where you wouldn't go at night, that's kind of like a lot of the East End. It's not whole of it, but it's a lot of it, you know. But it's this kind of dichotomy. It's like very loving environment and very confronting environment. You know, there's no room for... It was very challenging, I guess, when I was younger because I was very creative and I felt as if, okay, oh, crap, you know, like I can't be creative. That wasn't the case, you know I mean, that was just you that was me right telling in fact, myself there was some like somebody of even like the really the kids who were like very tough and you know sometimes even violent, they kind of like liked that I was creative, it was kind of like they would kind of poke fun at me for it, but they liked it too, like I said, it was for some people in the u k and, and and obviously in the United States that can kind of concern for eating and paying bills and stuff they weren't born into that concern right they did have things in mind like oh well i'll take a year out and travel through europe and right right like i'm like how much is the bus fare into the city center that was kind of like my you know so i uh yeah it was all very much survival based i guess
0: yeah and so then so what when you have that first theater job, you're still in high school, though. Yeah, no, was that no was high just, I was sixteen and gone first. Oh, uh, right, you in left there. high school. Yeah, because um, you gotta make money. Yeah, to provide yourself. I was sixteen and and I and my first. I mean, I
1: sound like I'm about ninety-seven here, but my first income <laughs> was like thirty bucks a week. You know, like I made no money. It sounds like I'm. Oh yeah, and then we all rode around in horses. No, we didn't. I mean, it was a bustling, busy metropolitan city. It was, you know, a million people. There was things happening. There was entertainment and sports and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, there I, I am with my squeaky little voice and my kind of painfully shy approach to members of the opposite sex. And uh, then off, and I, I don't even know if we call them opposite sex. Anyway, women. And uh, you know, I'm not even sure. there like, yeah, there's
0: different? a lot of words that we are, we, are changing are we right now. Yeah. I,
1: and I'm okay wrestling with all that stuff, by the way. I'm fine wrestling with that. I'm, I'm fine kind of trying to find myself and all that. But anyway, I I guess, you know, like it was, it was, if I look back at it now, it was tough. I didn't know where I was going, but I did know that I had to keep paddling. And that's something, I guess, is with me all the way through to, to the present time.
0: So what, yeah, so what's... Next, uh, like, do you work at the theater for a long time? Do you have several different types of jobs? Like, where is there, like, transition in your yeah. life? Yeah. Because I make up, you know, if somebody that's writing, you've ri- written some amazing New York Times best selling books that are very yeah. much calling people out on yeah. their bullshit. Is, yeah. That's what I have a YouTube series going. All I call bullshit yeah. about these thought processes. I'm like, you, yes, the titles yeah. of your books are very much in line with me, right. like your messaging, right. whatever. So I make up for us to be able to talk about these things it's because we've hit some real yeah ahas in our own life calling ourselves out you see it's the weird it's the
1: weirdest thing you know I've spent so much time working on myself and dealing with myself you know that when I talk about my past it seems like like I don't even you know it just seems like you know but as I was growing up, it was a big deal. You know, I was a young man. It was like, oh, the past I've had, you know, <laughs> like the life that I've had. Right, right. But now it just seems like,
0: meh. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> but, totally. Because I've done all that work on it. Like, I, I managed to deal with it in a way that I actually, it, it doesn't have any impact on me. I didn't look towards it as some kind of, you know, like there's some clues back there or something. But anyway, I, I worked in the theater for about eight months. But my, I had three older sisters, you know, and my mom and my dad, you know, but my three older sisters were kind of like, they were always kind of on me, you know. We were and are so tight, you know, we're just such a, a like a proper group, you know, like we were, we were like the angry Von traps, you know. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but but we, uh, but my sister was like, no, you got it, you're a young man, you got to get a trade. So I did, eventually I got a trade, you know, and I, and I kind of went into the trade. I did that for about eighteen months, and I realized. And I what
0: know. is the trade like? Oh, I w- I did like uh, glass
1: and and l- like like sometimes I work on like big churches and stuff and yeah right. So that was-, was the thing,
0: glass like installing glass, right? But if some okay.
1: of it was like like doing these big ornate lead panels and oh, all that stuff, and then wow. sometimes just you know a storefront, you know, it was like it was a whole mesh. But it was a good trade with you know, at a time, by the way, when my friends were scrambling, like everybody around me wanted a trade. So when I got one, people were like, holy shnikes, you got a trade. But uh, but I only did because it. Because
0: that's like, like security, right? It's like that, usually you get into a trade, like you can work there the rest of your life, good benefits, get.
1: And right? and you can move around, you know, you could go to like Liverpool or London or something. And and, and there was a pathway, you know, like you could make a really good living and, you know, and settle into whatever that pathway. I mean, provides. I feel like
0: these days are still. It's still a good route to go. Yeah, right? I if mean, you, I, don't- you know? One of the things that I did get from
1: that time in my life is I do love working with my hands. I really do enjoy it. I like swinging a hammer around. You know, I mean, I like most men that I know anyway. I curse my way through it, but. But I, but I I, do enjoy it. I really do. Like if something goes wrong in the house, so I'm like, oh, I'm fixing that. You know, I'm definitely going to fix that. My wife's rolling her eyes like, here we go again. But I, Can but we I, please you know, just h- call somebody? No. Nope. Well, she's like, you're a New York <laughs> Times bestseller. Can we not just hire the guy? You know, I'm like, no, no, go. I'm going to get some two by fours. Let's get this done. You know, like. <laughs> Let <laughs> me awkward. do it. No, I know. I'm her. like, oh, get me the screws. Right. <laughs> we don't need screws. I don't care. Let's get them. <laughs> Uh, anyway I uh I did Detroit for about 18 months and then my sister who's like the middle of the three she worked for the government and she said you know what I think I could get you a temporary shot working for the government and I'm like all right now you're talking about a career I could go work there for 20 years and retire or something you know and again that was like the mindset you know it was like right
0: because everything is like this is more money security like you don't care what you're actually doing no who you're like
1: and by the way, that's most people in the world. Yeah. They don't, they that's just, why like, I'm talking about it. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're thinking like, well, if I can make, you know, blah, 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 a week, that'll be a good life. Not realizing that you're signing away 40 or 50 hours of that week to something you might hate, right? But anyway, I did that. When I went and actually worked for the Scottish equivalent of the IRS. was just <laughs> the funniest thing. Like it was, um, it was very respectable, you know, like I had this, position if you like and there was a pathway to grow which was good and I love the people there the people there were brilliant you know they were just uh, I worked with some amazing people like just really just genuine human beings it's one of the things that I do miss about Glasgow in particular um Anthony Bourdain said this about Glasgow like he said they're the most authentic people he's ever met and on all his travels and they are they're like painfully authentic you know (laughs) But it's not like American authentic. American authentic is speaking your mind, you know, which is different.
0: Right, right, right. Because speaking your mind can be very tinged with some terrible you? you
1: (laughs) But but I tend to find Glaswegians speak their mind about themselves, you know, which is, to me, that's the real authenticity. It's when you tell the truth about yourself, you know. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Which means you actually have to like know yourself and not well, yeah, yeah, the, the like, version I, of yourself you feel like you should be and project into the like, world. But. Right.
1: In general terms, like, and I'm talking obviously from my experience, Not I'm not going to just kind of paint people with a big giant brush or something, but in my experience of, of people from Glasgow, they're the kind of people like, like they'll make you laugh, but you don't know, you don't know whether, like you're hurt too, like at the same time.
0: Like, I guess it's yeah.
1: painful and funny at the same time
0: yeah that's I, I get that that's kind yeah. of my favorite yeah it's kind like, of oh, <laughs> yeah, like, like I like I like, I
1: like hanging out with the Scottish people is great and yeah, my feelings are hurt but <laughs> that's as good very part.
0: direct and you're like oh that's yeah. funny oh and true oh,
1: yeah. um so I, I went and warned, I, I did this thing with the government I went to work for the government and I'll and, and, truth be told for I would say probably for seventy or eighty percent of that time, I, I really enjoyed what I was doing. I, I met great people, but again, I'm this young guy. You know, I'm looking like my late teens. I'm in my early twenties. I'm like thinking, you know, the world is my oyster, right? <laughs>
0: I got it. I got the government right. job I mean, I'm set.
1: I got it made, man. I got I'm building up my little pension here. This will be good. And Just ride um, it
0: out for the rest of my life.
1: Right, but I, but it, actually, in the background of all that, I had been a musician in Scotland, and I had. Uh, I'd gotten a development deal with CBS, which I, for about a year, you know, I was playing and recording under the kind of guidance of some big executive with CBS with my band. And then I, I stopped doing that. I'd really just quit music uh, when I was like 21. And then I got to 24 and I thought, well, what was-
0: made you quit? Just uh, felt like, it- well, this is a waste of my time. I'm not going to yeah, go there. Or-
1: it was just like, uh, you know, it was. It's funny just how you like when you're in the middle of something. It seems to make total sense at the time, and then you look back in your life. And you're like, "What the hell was I thinking?" That happens for all of us, right? At various points, you're like, "What, what was going on in my mind?" And that's because when we're in our lives, it looks a certain way. So you're acting upon how it looks to you in the moment. And then when you get when you get past it and you look back, you're like, "Oh my gosh, how could I even see it that way? I missed this and I missed that, and I missed that." So, um between the age of 20, 21 and 24, I didn't do any music. In fact, I played a lot of soccer, which was my other passion and then, um at twenty four, I went back and the music. I thought, "This is too much fun. I loved it, you know." And then uh, I started playing again, and I met some great musicians and you know, but I was still working away, churning out my my little pension efforts every week and um and then I, I hit twenty five, and I just thought, "I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm, I'm either going to make a break for being a musician, or I'm not going to do it." So I did. I made a break for being a musician. I started to play full time. I quit my job, and I wasn't making a lot of money, but I was having a lot of fun doing it. It was great fun.
0: And what was that feedback like from your family? Or like, you know, again, if if you're in a community that's just like, "No, we take jobs." We, we, yeah. you know we need sustainable was because that, that's a hard choice for us to make as a person. But then I think also when everybody in your life can be like, not everybody, but I feel like there's oftentimes love is expressed through fear.
1: Yeah. No, 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 no,
0: no. Yeah. <laughs> you need to take the safe job. You are talented, but this. Yeah. so did you have like pushback?
1: You know, you, you know uh, by and large, the Scottish are kind of ballsy, you know, like they're kind of like screw this. You know, they just, they, they are that way, you know, very much. So, they, they, they'll they play it safe and play it safe and play it safe, but if once the reasons are compelling enough, they'll just go for it. But surprisingly enough, you know, uh, my mom at the time, as she had been all the way through my childhood, you know, it took me a while to realise this, by the way, I had to go back and remember and think of things and be like, oh my god, she totally did. Which was surprising, I never discovered this really until I was more into my 30s and really started to see like, oh, how I cherry-picked my childhood and came up with my little semblance of reality. Right. But when I went back and, and really gave thought to it, I was and then, then I could start to see things in a slightly different way. But anyway, I um, I, she was very encouraging at me doing something that I wanted to do, you know, that I wanted to do. But at the same time, there was no help coming. You know, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, go be a musician and let me pay your electricity bill. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, go ahead, do it. And if you screw it up, you're on your own
0: yeah <laughs> I think that's a good I'm like I think that's a good way to show support yeah, it is. <laughs> and, 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 and there's no is. like it, for me that would make me be more like I'm doing that like all right I'm all in in many ways because there's no safety net
1: right right I mean there was no I mean my mother was kind of like that you know like my so we had this thing you know like my dad was this you know kind of hard-living Scottish man but he was very loving. He would tell me he loved me, you know, and he would hug me and stuff. My mom was not like that. My mom was kind of like the flip side. to was like, get it done and shut up. And, you know, um, I often tell this story when I was a kid. You know, I think I was, I must have been about eight or nine or something. I was out playing in the street. And uh, these two brothers kicked my ass, right? And they scratched all my forehead and it was bleeding, you know. So I ran up to the house, and I'm banging on the door. She locked the door. She comes to the door. And my I was like, oh, those brothers beat me up. And she goes, right, okay. Where are they? I said, they're down there. She goes, you're not getting in until you go and even that up. So then, <laughs> and then she shut the door on me in my face. I'm standing there like, okay. So I turned around. I went down the street, and I wiped the floor with a towel. Oh, my God. Right? Like in a blind fury, like I just wailed on the tip with him. And then I came back to the door. I banged on the door again. She opened up the door and she said, okay, did you do it? I said, yeah. She goes, good. Get to your bed for fighting in the street. <laughs> <laughs> That actually happened. Like she wow. put me, had to go to my bed for fighting in the street. But, I was, yeah,
0: but she first had to tell you you needed to settle.
1: Well, and floor. you don't like to fight in the street. But if you are going to fight in the street, make sure you win. Was kind of what I got.
0: Like stand up for yourself. Go stand up for yourself. Yeah, cause but also that's sisters. not right to
1: fight. You know, it was all sisters, mate. Like I said, you know, it was all. But uh, but uh, but again, it took me a lot of time. kind of wrap my head around it you know at the time it seemed like what the hell like this doesn't even make sense to me you know because i had this image in my head when i was a kid right that you know my mom should bring me blankets and chicken soup right and tell me i'm amazing and i love you and she wasn't like that it was like yeah i'm gonna equip you you little sucker you know like she equipped me but at but at the time i couldn't see it wasn't until i started to do work on myself right it was like oh she was this way and she was that way and then when i got older it was like well duh look at the environment yeah. i was in you know you yeah. make sure I, I could survive in this and she right. did and and i did you know i i came out of there equipped you know i came out of glasgow equipped you know for whatever the world i've been in a lot of places in the world and um you know i remember going to like the markets in Hong, the night markets in Hong Kong, I can spot trouble from about a hundred yards. Like I'm like, no, nope, <laughs> not him, no way over here. Like I, there's just, you end up with this kind of built yeah. uh, the same when I go to places like New York. Like I, I know when to step my pace up. I know when to, you know, I remember even as a kid, my father would tell me, you know, like <laughs> teaching me stuff. Like if you go into a bar, always sit with your back to the wall, with your eye on the door. You know, like silly. And then as a young man, like, you know, I was working out in my head going in about who I'd have to knock out <laughs> first in a fight. Like, all right, him. And if I take him, then we're good. All right, good. I can settle down and have a good time. It was that kind of environment, you know, when I was young. You know, Glasgow in the 70s and the 80s was a very, very tough place. Very tough place.
0: Yes. Yeah, I um, I was a sound engineer for a long time, so I've toured – so I've gone to Glasgow many times, but for touring with bands. So I only see like sparkly, yeah. <laughs> like amazing. <Yeah. laughs> like Glasgow. So yeah, it's interesting to hear that perspective. Um, okay, so you're full into music. Yeah. What happens? Did you then get the deal and
1: Yeah, yeah. You- I had, I made like I, I never got a I got a bunch of indie deals. I made four albums and I toured a bit and opened up for some big bands. And, and uh, I did that in the States, actually. I came to the States, basically, to get a vacation. And then within, like, six weeks, I had this little indie label out of Florida saying, hey, want to make an album? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? But again, you know, like, I I was a full-time musician for seven or eight years, you know. And, and I loved that. That was another great time in my life. It was just a brilliant opportunity to just kind of live... Free and clear of anything but my own creation, you know, it was pretty awesome. And and then I quit that. I actually, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm done with this. I, it wasn't some big heart wrenching, you know. All my music careers are like I never had any of that. I was just like, okay, next.
0: You just felt like I've done this. Yeah. I did yeah. it. It feels good. Yeah,
1: I was, no. I was like th- in my early 30s, and I remember saying, by this time, I'd met my wife, and I'm like, I I don't really feel as if there's anything else I want to say of said it, you know, like I'm pissed off. There you go, four albums.
0: And so, you didn't know I'm going to quit music because I'm going to do this now, or oh, did you? Or you're just no, like, I'm no, I'm I was done with still music. in the
1: mode of all right, well, let me make a living, you know. And I went into the, the construction industry again because I knew it, and I became a contractor. I made a really good living at that. That was pretty awesome, actually, in terms of the amount of finance that I was able to generate in the life that I was able to provide for my wife and I. So I still had no sense that I would end up getting into this kind of domain, if you like, of personal development and developing myself. And, you know, I was pretty much – I kind of lived with this dichotomy. It was like there was a kind of underlying noise that I thought there was more. But at the same time, my actions were consistent with not more, right? My actions were consistent with a very kind of structured and limited – outcome for me as a human being but there was always that kind of it was like a toothache you know like yeah but what about you know and and I just eventually after a while you just kind of put it down to a silly you know thing like I'm not gonna indulge that or scratch that itch or anything you know
0: so when do you start to then get into personal is it start from like you just starting to learn things or is it like again like some personal aha or did something happen in your life that made you start to think about life different
1: well, yeah as i wish to look back in my life there was these little moments of thinking right <laughs> that would happen not a lot just little bits right sometimes when i say that to people you don't think they get insulted and then when you start to wake up to certain things, you realize how little you actually have been thinking. There's been a mm. lot of thoughting.
0: No, totally. I feel like you just go to, through, like people are so often just going through the motions of right. life. Right. And I, I'm writing my first book right now about the transformational effects of eliminating the word should from your life, Right. which I did because everybody, I feel like, so I actually chose to give up the word over 10 years ago, I thought I lived my life my way. And I was so like, I do things my way. I'd almost committed suicide and sort of like, all right, I'm just only going to care about what I think and do me. And But my father passed away. Suddenly, I suddenly was like, I'm giving up the word should. And I stopped saying it. Mm -hmm. And that forced me to see how much of our lives is just, we're not thinking. We're just going into what the world tells us. What should I eat today? What should I wear today? What should I, what kind of job should I have? And that like by mindfully tuning into that word, I'm constantly able to shift it. Because even though I don't say the word, it's still a feeling. So I still feel shoulds daily, but then I have this opportunity to like, it's like a speed bump to slow me down. So that's what I totally get when you're saying most people don't think. We don't, we're just going (laughs) through the motions of life and what the shoulds that are projected onto us from our parents, from capitalism, from TV, from everybody else <laughs> yeah. and, and by the way
1: you're only ever believing what you're agreeing with right like i love it when people say you know you're being forced to believe no you're not there's a lot of shit you could believe you're believing what you agree with mm-hmm. right so you're building up this kind of landscape in your mind of what life is and what it isn't and then you live that and then you argue with people who don't see the landscape the same way as you do i remember the times in my life like Little bits that kind of, you know, like kind of opaque thinking, like what I'm really thinking more in theory than, than in my circumstances. Stuff like, you know, silly things like what if when I see red, what you're seeing is green, but we're both calling it red, right? So things like that when I was a kid and I had no background in like philosophy or philosophical thinking, like nothing. Zero exposure to this. It. it was just a rising... As you know, like little concerns, you know, like as I was growing up. So then, what I what actually happened was when I started in my thirties, you know, I was realizing how painfully ill-equipped I was to deal with the greater complexities of life. Like I had had enough to get me through making a living and being productive, but I didn't. I didn't know how to master myself. I didn't know where to start you know most of what i was kind of getting fed was this kind of psychological view of life on what it is to be a human being or a religious or spiritual view of what it is to be a human being i mean they're fine none of it worked for me Mm -hmm. i made no sense to me it was just i could explain me you know you know i'm this way and that way and i'm that way and this way and, and then made some little leaps like, oh yeah, I'm this way because of that. Right. I'd never really considered, well, it could have been anything though. No, that's just what I've ended up with. Like this is how I explain myself. I'm this way because of that. But when I really challenged it, I don't know if it was because of that. That's just what I'd what I'd come to believe. It could have been right. the cat that morning, right? But I had it was some other thing. Oh yeah, that's trauma based, but it could have been pudding based. I don't know. Right, I don't, and I still don't. I, it just seems like that seems logical, right? Oh yeah, well that's because of a tough childhood. This is why I'm tough, right? Or some nonsense. Now, anyway, a, a relative of mine actually said, you know, I did this workshop, and immediately a workshop. You know, I'm like, oh, for fuck.
0: you like tuned out? Nope, not gonna go to a workshop. <laughs> like my like, as I, my eyeballs rolled so far back
1: in my head, I could see my ankles. Right, I was kind of like, what? And, and then he goes, I think you should do it. And I'm, this is getting weirder by the minute, you know, like workshop. Initially, I'm thinking, okay, what are we building? You know, like we making,
0: right? You know, <laughs> let's
1: go to the workshop, build something. And he goes, no, no, it's really life changing. I goes, and these were my exact words. I'll never forget it. I'm not doing your stupid workshop. <laughs> and then he said, I'll pay for it. And I said, all right, when is it? <laughs> and so I, uh, I did this stupid workshop. And, but I went in, you know, like with this notion of like, this is going to be effing terrible, you know, <laughs> like, I, you know, and I said, and I was already, you know, like we, we all do this you know like we're already setting it up in our mind about what this is going to be.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So in my mind, I'm going in there. First person that says, let's hold hands. Right. Um, or if we are going to sit around the virtual campfire or something, I'm not doing it. If there's any singing, I'm out. You know, if it was any, like, you know, shutting our eyes and envisioning ourselves as, as a color. No, right? I'm not doing it. But it wasn't like that, you know. It was very much, it was kind of like I went in in the first 20 minutes. It was like the guy was telling me I was an asshole. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. So it
0: good. wasn't like super spiritual no, no. manifestation, whatever workshop. out. And
1: my first thought was, well, this is good. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> this guy just called me. And I was like, this is good. But it wasn't. It was like, it was like a mirror. It was like I was getting some. I was getting my face forced into something. Which initially I was like, I was resisting looking, but I was curious. I was kind of like, I'm interested in looking for other people, but not for myself. But the more I got into it, it was, um, the more I kind of did that kind of word, it was the first time in my life that I made sense. Like it made sense. This makes sense to me, right? This makes sense, right? And, you know, as I started to get more and more into that work, I realized it was a philosophical point of view, it. It like an ontological perspective coupled with, you know, basically this kind of existentialist view of what it is to be a freaking human being. And, um, and I loved it. It was like, oh my God, people make sense to me. I make sense, you know.
0: What is that yeah. like? Can you give a glimpse of like when you're like, okay, like this is starting to make sense. I'm starting to make sense. Like, were there like any like, Aha's you can remember Tons about yourself, them. or that changed your way of thinking.
1: Tons of them. So I'd become this very uh, hardworking man, and hard work was my answer to everything. I mean everything, right? I mean if, if I'm if I'm struggling in my relationship, with my wife, I'll just work harder. There's no there's no other gear. Mm-hmm. So like, oh, I'll just slip into being compassionate here, you know. <laughs> so I realized like I'd become just through observation and learning that I'd become this version of myself. And I didn't start out really, I'm gonna go that way. I'd always thought of myself as like kind of the tender heart, right? But I'd become an asshole. And it was like, how did I become an asshole? I wasn't, you know. But in my 30s, if you'd ask me, if you say, are you an asshole? No, I'm a good guy, right? I'm one of life's good guys. And for all intents and purposes, yeah, but if you actually looked at the whole picture and told yourself the truth, you would see like there's other things going down that you're just kind of choosing to ignore or explain away. Like, oh yeah, well, you know, if you treat me bad, you know, some yeah. shit like that. So um, it was really eye-opening to see myself holistically, like the whole of that, like the whole, like what what kind of footprint am I leaving, right? What's it like to be a friend of mine? Right. What's it like? mom? Mm.
0: So it like that was something that helped you, like starting to oh, not just no. think of you and your view of your life. But wait, what is it? Let me sit in my front. Yeah. What is it like? for Well, it to be a friend well then I started like to-
1: then then life started to make sense. Then it was like, well, no wonder I don't have X, Y or Z in my life <laughs> because this is who I am. <laughs> you know, like every crappy relationship that i would ever had. I noticed there was one common denominator, not two. <laughs> It was me. I was all. Why does all
0: this happen to me? Why am I always in these? Why do I always am in these relationships where I, everybody treats me like shit? Or like,
1: what? and I and I built up this whole thing like it was this narrative in the background of my consciousness, like this thing back here, this kind of setting that I'd placed myself in. I really started to see myself like an actor in a play that I'd ru- written. But I swore that I was I didn't write it. I swore that I was just thrown into it and I had to work it out. And then I started to see that I'd written it. Mm. Like I'm this way, he's that way, she's this way, she's that way, this is this way. Like I had written it based on certain experiences. I'd come to some firm ideas of what life is and isn't. And I lived that, like that's true. And it wasn't until I was in my, like I said, my late 30s, early 40s, I started to realize that I'd in fact made it all up. That I'd experienced something, told myself something, and believed what I told myself. And I did that every step of the way through my childhood, my young adulthood, my adulthood. Like I'd come to this place where the, myself, other people, and life itself looked a certain way. And for me, none of that was an opinion. For me, all of that was the truth. None of it kind of like played around in my mind like that it was even debatable, right? Like, no, life is this way, right? And then I started to realize, well, hold on a minute. If it is that way, we'd all see it that way. They don't. I see it that way. How come I ended up seeing it this way, right? And if I take away all the potential for victimization, self-victimization, like, well, society did this to me or my parents did this to me or, you know, whatever, if I take all of that away, I realized that I had the reality that I had settled on this trip and I never resisted it, never questioned it. I just lived it. And then when you see like the kind of paradigm that you've got yourself in, you'll see the top of it, and the bottom of it, and you'll see the limit of your potential as a human being. You, me, we live in a paradigm of potential. It's not anything's possible. It's, Some things are possible. Mm -hmm. So when somebody comes to you with, oh, yeah, but this is possible, the first thing you think is either I'm being duped, like you're trying to fool me or something, or you're an idiot. You don't know reality. But that is their reality. Yeah. So that was like, that was, it was really like a, a massive awakening to the constraint. Of being myself, right? Like, and that to me, that's the hardest part of any transformation. You see how locked you are. And then the struggle is to kind of, you know, get out of that. But the real key is not to get out of it, but to actually see it and observe it and accept that for what that is. Because in that kind of thinking, you start to see that that thing that you've become is a very small part. Exists in a very small as a very small thing in a much greater context and so uh that the gloves were off then it was like okay i'm doing this work on myself this is great i'm getting freer and more effective at being me and and scratching myself and a, quite literally being someone that i didn't think i was and then uh and then i got fascinated by the notion of just helping other people like just you know, like, how can I support you and how can I, and that's, I just went tumbling into the personal growth industry, but not to become what I've become. There was no intention of that. It was, right. You're
0: not. Okay. I just had this awakening. Great. I'm going to take this and now make this be like my next like yeah. moneymaker or whatever. Let it's it just like
1: somebody's guru or something, you know, like that was not in my mind. i the one thing that came out of it was this profound humility. You know, like I was, I got really small, but in a really powerful way. Like I stopped trying to tell people about me because there was no point to it. Um, it just seemed so stupid waste of my life. You know, like, this is how great I am. And I really just started to get fascinated by people like, you know, what what you got going on? and How can I? help you with that you know and so I turned myself inside out it was over years one of the things that kind of pisses me off just one of the things there's a lot but this is one of the things that pisses me off is the personal growth industry because people are in it as a career move and it's a shit career move it's a terrible career move because if you're in the personal growth industry for yourself you'll always be crap at it You'll never be good at it. The people who I've come across in this industry that are really good at what they do, it's not about them. Right? So me being the person in growth industry, it's not about me. Like,
0: yeah. Who the hell am
1: I? You know, I'm just some guy with, with currently with a beard. Um, there's nothing like fantastical happening over here. This isn't remarkable. This is an, an ordinary person. If there's anything at all that I might offer as being extraordinary is, the task that I've given myself. I've given myself an extraordinary task. What's the task? To empower people. What people? All people. Like, that's my task. That's what I'm up to. That's what I'm using my life for. And, I'm, and I really mean that authentically. That is what I'm using my life for, is I'm using up the time, the days, the weeks, the months, the years, to empowering people. It's not to empower my bank balance. How, how would you know that? Because I did it for years for nothing. Yeah. (laughs) Nothing. And I had no intent of changing it, by the way, to doing it for something. Right. And then I, and then some people said, well, I'd like to be your client and I would like, okay, fine. And I made a very good living that. I liked, loved doing it. But that was all I was going to do. I was empowering people my life was working. I, you know, my family was working my, and then, you know, a client, I mean, said, you know, you should write a book and that, Changed everything, but then all it did was just raise the
0: bar. It was like, all right, how many more people can I support and empower, now? Right, it makes it more accessible yeah. to people around the world that can pay for, a, what, however yeah. much yeah. the book costs—twelve dollars, twenty dollars, twenty-five dollar book—rather yeah, than that. coaching I'll, sessions or therapy, whatever. That. Absolutely, yeah.
1: love that. I don't, I don't. Personal growth shouldn't—you don't need to be wealthy to have personal growth. You know, you can. Yeah, if you and there's a lot of great work out there. You know, I'm not even just banging the drum about what I say or do, but there's a lot of great work out there. The key is, will you fully adopt it? You know, yes. If you fully adopt it, you can really change your life, like dramatically change your life. Even the things that you think are not. It's funny, if you ask somebody, do you think per like personal improvement or dramatic change is available to you? They'll say yes. They'll say it's available. I'm either doing it or I'm struggling with it, but I think it's available to me. Mm. If you ask that person to look in the life, they can tell you at least one person that they think it's not available for.
0: Hmm.
1: Like, yeah, yeah, it's available for everybody, but not them Cause they're an asshole.
0: Right. Yeah. And that's what I was like, the more of the thinking, because I was like, hmm, what would that mean? And I myself thinking, like, can I think of it somebody that's more of a when yeah, because you're making up that person's never gonna change. Right. It's not available to them because they are no way. They're going to say no to the workshop, the book, the this, the seeing things differently. They're so stuck in their reality.
1: So now you're conflicted. So you're saying anything's possible, but not for everybody. Well, then it's not. Then it's bullshit. So that's a big thing to get past. That's actually one of your own constraints. Of when you see things are possible for certain things, but not for that person. Right. And that was a big was a big thing for me to get my head around like if i was truly going to change i had to really start to embrace the notion that everybody could like it it exists as a possibility for everybody i might not be articulate enough to give somebody something that causes them to think in such a way but to think that it doesn't exist for them is an illusion right it's about and and you know like i i I a little over four years of my life, like traveling the world, delivering workshops, believe it or not, to thousands and thousands of people from every culture you could imagine. And people telling me stuff like about their lives that was sometimes the most horrific stuff you could imagine, right? And, But I would watch those people. I would coach them through certain spaces. And I would watch them transform the most messed up situations, like stuff that would curl your toes, right? And they did it and they worked their way through it and it was challenging and it was difficult and it was la 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 la. But they came through the other side with like a grace and a, and and a freedom and an effectiveness that they'd never known themselves. They didn't even know it was available for themselves. And when you get, when somebody kind of gets to that point in their life, their immediate thought is, Oh shoot, my friend Tom, he needs this. Or my friend Emma, she needs this. Like, you start to think of the ways that you want your own environment to reflect what you're seeing and getting yourself. So my my passion for this work is unquenchable. Like I'm not, like I, you know, if, if I never sell another book, I don't care. I'll just keep doing what I'm doing.
0: Psst, Trisha here, bringing another brief interruption because I want to make sure you know of the different ways I have available to support you. First off, my daily inspiration app. It's only a $3.99 one-time purchase, and it's hundreds of powerful thoughts and affirmations to empower you and to get you to think differently. You can come to the app at any time and sort of pick a digital card. The one I just got is I am listening to and acting on the requests of my soul. Ooh, and Now you can swipe or hit the show me a card button. I just got, I am committed to protecting my energy, prioritizing my health, and eliminating bullshit from my life everywhere that I can. So you can see some are a little bit more spiritual, some are a little bit more straight to the point. There's something for everyone. You can favorite them, you can share them, you can go into the settings in the app and hit daily and set a time to get a reminder every day so that you've remind yourself to go pull a card and get a positive message for yourself or a message that makes you just think. I also have one-on-one coaching programs, intensive programs where I'm working with you pretty much every day. We have one hour calls once a week, but then we also Are in text communication every single day for 42 days. It is life changing. And currently, I have enrollment open for my intimate group program called Connected. It's 12 weeks. We have a different focus each week. And Even though you're in a group, I bring everyone into the conversation. It's pretty much impossible to sign up for this program and not do the work. I make it super easy for you via our calls, our implementation sessions, the teachable platform that you access the coursework if you're not doing it live, and the Voxer messaging app, which is free, and that we are in contact Every day, pretty much, I'm giving you little tools, little prompts, and I want to hear from you so you're actually doing the work. I honestly believe that the work, the course, is worth it alone simply for the Voxer messaging group and what's happens in that space. All right, go right now to yourdiologist.com backslash connected or yourdiologist.com backslash coaching if you want more information on the Connected program or coaching. If you listen to this after Connected is in, Already going, there will be a form to get on the wait list. You'll be the first to know when enrollment opens again. All right. And of course, don't forget, I have products. Go check out my products, shop.yourjoyologist.com, keychains, magnets, mugs, journals. We got something at every price point for you. Let's go back to, so when you first start to really get into this work, are you... You know, because when people go through some transformational work, yeah, you're facing yourself and all the things that you've been believing and stuff like that. So it can be very freeing, but also like confronting. Oh, fuck. (laughs) This is like, it's me? Oh, that's my, like these things. Because yeah, life happens. Shitty stuff happens for real. Like it's not everything is in your mind, but you have so much when you start to see your own part in everything and how you're showing up for your life and approaching your life. Right. So did, were you able to keep seeing those confrontations as like freeing, or did you have any roadblocks of like wanting to be like just put the blinders back on? Yeah.
1: <laughs> see, you can't you can't undiscover what you've discovered. Yeah. Right. Annoying. You can't be like, <laughs> <It's annoying. laughs> like
0: No, I want to see it back this way. <laughs> oh
1: <laughs> no, you can't you can't do that, right? You can't you, once it's seen it's seen, but it's just kind of like in the name of syndrome, if you like, right? Like, So we, if you ask somebody, like, why a particular relationship doesn't work, like, why don't you like that person? They'll say, well, they, la, 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 Okay, they'll say whatever thing is. And then I'll say, yeah, but who are you now in that relationship? And they'll say, no, I'm fine. I don't, you know, they're just being an asshole. They're always doing this, and they're always doing that. And they, that, that. I'll say, I know, but look right now, who are you? And then at some point... They'll see, well, I'm blaming them. All right, good. And then who are you about that blame? Well, I'm, ang- I'm, p- I'm angry. All right, so now you've become this angry victim. And then, you're like, no, no, I'm not an angry victim. And I go, look again, like, look, look at you in this part of your life. Who have you become? And you see your own sourness, you see your own, the side of oneself that we explain away. I mean, explain it away circumstantially. And what we're really saying is, I have no say with myself in this area of my life. I have no say in being joyful there or being loving or compassionate. understanding. That's not on me. That's just feelings that come up and I just, you know. So now, now you're just a robot. Now you're just a reaction machine. Right? You have, you're, you're not a conscious being. You're just a trail of old emotions and brain patterns reacting to whatever gets presented to you so that when you start to see yourself in those terms like When you take away the notion that I'm no longer going to explain why I am the way I am And in fact now I'm going to be responsible for the way I am and that's on me So if I'm not happy What am I not dealing with in my life that would allow me to express my happiness not find it, but express it right happiness is an expression like, so it's peace of mind. So it's confidence. They're not, they're not located with you like, oh, yeah, found it. You know, it's not like that. It's what's currently in the way or what have I got in the way currently that's not allowing me to express it. That takes away this whole notion that what stuff's happening to you. And then you start to see this idea that, well, what if I, what if this thing, like, I'll I'll live like life is happening to me. What if I am happening to life? What if life is just going on and I'm happening to it? Like I'm showing up and I'm seeing things a certain way and I'm hearing things a certain way and I'm like hooked by certain things, right? Like some people can't be in the room with some people in the like. "They so you walk out in the room, that person talks and they're like, oh yeah, I know what you mean, right? No, you just heard what you always hear. And it's absurd to think that triggers just with that person, that triggers with all kinds of people. So uh, once you see yourself and as I like to call it, your shtick, once you see your own shtick, you kind of get a little sick of yourself. Kind of like, Oh, that's just ugly. Like, that's just brutal. Like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be that person. And I am that person.
0: Yeah, and I'm kind of oh, there's that bullshit right. story again. So that's the first part. <laughs> the first part is like,
1: oh shit, you know, I really am an asshole. The second part is, the first thought is, well, I'll just not be an asshole. Now. Right? I'll just go, it, and I won't be that person. Okay? I'm just going to be great with people. Then you have to confront the damage done. Like, already? What's the damage done? And then I say to people, what do you want? Do you want freedom or do you want the past? And they'll say, well, can't I have both? <laughs> and I say, no. How you Ultimately, how you deal with your past, and this is a really simplistic way of saying it, but the one way to kind of get to the heart of dealing with your past is to come to terms with how you've used it to justify yourself. Hmm. And when you come in terms, like you actually confront in the cold light of day, like, this is how I've used my past to justify myself. And the ways that you've trained the people in your life to react to you, trained them, like, you can say that, you can't say that. You can do this, you can't do that. And it's not been an act of training. It's been a kind of grinding down over time. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You've trained people to relate to you. When it back off, and believe it or not, you know, people hate hearing this, but it's true. The ways in which you manipulate situations to go your way, right? People hate people hate the notion of being a manipulator. I'm okay knowing that I'm a manipulator. I know I'm amongst billions, so I'm not uncomfortable with it. But, but when you start to get awakened to the kind of little subconscious traits, characteristics, little things you do to make situations turn in your favor, You know, some people, I mean, you might know people like this, right? Who are like kind to a fault, right? Like super kind, like just always being kind. And you're thinking, wow, they just get like walked all over, right? No, they're manipulating the shit out of people to get what they want. They want you to like them.
0: I was about to just say that.
1: (laughs) They want you to like them. And so I'll just fucking let me do shit for you. and. I'm just gonna kind the shit out of you until you do. Right. And and it's kinda and you know it when you're in the presence of it. It's kinda got that same kind of thick, sticky like, oh, that's it's a little too much, right?
0: Yeah. It like makes you question yeah, I actually yeah, so this I call bullshit videos video series I did the one I just recorded that's coming out the week that we're recording this is I call bullshit on wanting to be a good person. Right. <laughs> because it's like calling out the transactions like are you doing something because you actually genuinely want to or because you want them to think you're a good person that you want them to think you're a good friend you want them you know to do this for you right. like so where are you setting up a transaction of even like yeah. or is it because you genuinely want to help pe- people or do this or because you want people to think you're a good person. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so ultimately, uh, the most authentic thing to do would be to say, I'm only doing this because I want you to like me. That would be actually really authentic.
0: At least, yes, at least you're like seeing that. I mean,
1: that so is what makes <laughs> I'm. I'm going to let you, I'm going to help you move yourself sofa because I want you to like you, you to like me. And that's it, really. And by the way, what I'm hoping is that you'll like me enough that I can use that, that you like me later. And I call you. Right. So if I need some or I do something shitty, I'll be like, yeah, but the sofa, I'm going to help you move the sofa. That's right.
0: But yeah, we're getting into these transactions in relationships like without being conscious about them and then like waiting for the acknowledgement, the payback, and then you live into resentful resentment.
1: It's like the auntie from your childhood who would say, I love you. (laughs) <laughs> like uh, no you gotta maybe- give me that but no yeah. that's, that's fine. you love me okay good <laughs>
0: and then she gets mad at you if you don't say it that's right. like well then but uh, you love me so why are you gonna-
1: <laughs> welcome welcome to half met half of the marriages in the United States right now Like, I, well I did that for you well I didn't know that was currency though I didn't realize you were you know investing to take some money back out there you know later on it's amazing the degree to which we are just, we're just not, we're just not keyed into ourselves. We're not keyed into, why am I doing what I'm doing? What's the point of me being this kind of person and not that person? Where where does this take me? If I keep going in this pathway, as I like to ask people, how does this turn out for you? And the reality is, by the way, in the cold light of day, here's how it turns out. It's already turned up. This is it. You're in it. And the most you can hope for is better than this, which isn't some kind of crazy, brilliant, transformed year. I mean, you'll keep a bunch of hope in the background, right? Like, well, who knows? Might win the lottery or, you know. One of these days, I'm going to get painting.
0: I'll oh, be- <laughs> we'll start that
1: business, you
0: know. Oh, yeah,
1: He's always been my passion. I know, but you'll be fucking dead by the time you realize that.
0: Yeah. Okay, so... Also, at what point do you then stop like being a contractor or like stop, t- you know, having a sort of day job? And then is it like you- so you transformation yourself, you just then wake up and want to help other people and yeah. sort of shine the light genuinely yeah. not trying yeah. to make money. And then people are like, blah, 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 Help me more. Yeah. I, I want to pay you
1: more, I was doing more programs and courses and workshops. And I was really like getting into this whole idea of this kind of particular brand of philosophy. I became. This is when I realized I, in fact, wasn't stupid, right? Like in my, the kind of tattooed noise in the background of my subconscious is I'm not smart enough.
0: And that also, you dropped out of high school. Did you ever continue to go to college? No. So you, so I'm guessing that relates to that a lot. Yeah, yeah. I must be stupid. I didn't even finish high school.
1: Right. 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 Well, actually, believe it or not, at 16, that that was actually finishing. You know, you could have stayed oh. up for an extra two years. But I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm not staying up.
0: That's an option there. So you but, didn't but like drop out. Thing,
1: this is the funny thing. So I look back and I thought, well, why didn't I go to college? I wasn't walking around going, I'm not smart enough for college. I wasn't, that wasn't a conscious thought of mine. It was more like, why would I go to college? Right going to make the money right now it it, it colored my thinking so much that it was now my logic and that's the thing that that is interesting to me with people people like when you when you kind of dig into things with them they're surprised when they find out what they've been saying to themselves they're like oh wow like i i didn't realize like that was how i saw things why don't you realize it because you're living it right so sometimes you know we all use this phrase about Self-limiting beliefs. You don't know your own. <laughs> Why? Because you believe them. You can see somebody else's. Oh, well, that's just a self-limiting belief. You're actually living yours. Like everything you do, right, is based on some belief, some set kind of range within which you're going to live. You made that up. You totally made that up, and you believed certain things and bought into certain things. But you know, ultimately, you made that up so as i kind of got into this working with myself i realized i wanted to make a difference with other people and within like three years of like my first doing a workshop i got a job as a as a as a facilitator at a big personal development company and i became a senior program director there. i i became one of the leading Kind of facilitators of that work in the world. And when you
0: were still doing your workshops, though, were you working a, a regular job, or did you had start like working? That's when I
1: was be Kind of like I was, I, I was like I was winding one down and growing any another. Like Got I knew it. this is what. I, and, and it really was like for me, like I wanted to do it under the radar. There was no, I had no online press. I didn't want to tell anybody what I was doing. I was just doing it. it was, You're
0: like, I'm gonna be the biggest. Right. How do I get There's, my followers up no, and my tweets? Nothing,
1: <laughs> nothing. I had never, you know, I had nothing in that area. At all my whole, you know, I, I wasn't even on social media. I had a closed Facebook account. I was just out uh, doing it. I was uh, like teaching myself, empowering people in a really kind of very kind of strict discipline of of philosophy, and. Showing them the ways in which it could apply to their life and how to sort certain things out in their life and kind of working with them through some of the, like I said earlier, like some really horrific things from their past that they wanted to learn how to handle. And I became like, I, you know, I just was really good at it. I was very, very good at it. You know, I was like, I would go into a room of 200 people, flip all the lives on their head, like that, you know, like just, and hours working through things talking to people bum 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 let's talk about this get to the next part of this and by the time i was done with them it was like you know it was like a it was like an enema for your brain like it just cleaned you up i head. make
0: up you were very like straight talk not oh
1: yeah yeah i because i was oh. nice over then but were you no, nicer
0: then or did you make up no, that you couldn't curse no
1: actually i had a, had an agreement with my employer that i wouldn't curse when i was yeah okay. so i just i stuck to my agreement because that was a matter of my words you know i said i wouldn't so i didn't
0: yeah but, like, I, yeah, but I was still very, very direct
1: yeah very direct but but very loving you know like i'm a very yeah. uh to myself or an element of my humanity that i've allowed myself to explore like to authentically love other people and so so and I think that's a, part, a big part of my appeal now is people realize I'm saying something that's sometimes very, very painful. And even even like confronting to the point where you're furious, but at the same time, they get that I'm on their side.
0: Like I don't, yeah. I don't
1: say shit to make you feel better. If you want to feel better, have, have a slice of pizza. You know, I mean, that usually does the job or a martini or something, whatever, you know, floats your boat but if, but if you want your life to be better i find right and and I, and i'm not again i'm not blowing smoke here but my experience of people is wide and extensive it's not i'm just not a guy with some random thoughts you know i mean this is like years in the making many yeah, years and you ago.
0: were out in rooms with people oh people in person around the world
1: yeah yeah and like the most you know like leading a program to 200 people in Hong Kong, half of the room speaks Cantonese, the other half of the room, spe- you know what I mean? Like there's, there's this um, real, like this real kind of commitment to get to humanity, to get beyond culture and get down into what is it to be a human being? What is it that's the same about you, that's the same about me? And then he'd be able to work with people in a way that's invasive, and and confronting but still like you can set through it like you can you can set through it you know because you feel as if the person that you're working with is not only an expert but they'll get you there and so you cannot there's a certain amount of surrender like i surrender myself to their trust right and they surrender themselves to my expertise and this is why a lot of stuff in personal growth industry really does kind of like, I take a great deal of issue with it. There's people in this industry you shouldn't be in it. You know, they're just like, Oh yeah, I'm a life coach. Like based on what? Your Instagram account. Like what have you done? You got to go and get people under your, under your fingernails, you know, because it's, it's a big deal to coach somebody. It's a big deal, man. You're in there. That's somebody's life. Like they're, their relationship with their parents and their loved ones and their friends and their past. And, you know, they were, they could have been abused as a kid or they could have like this. Oh, and you're just like, oh, yeah, keep going. Like you got to have a bit more to you than that, right? The other, the little caveat that I will add to that is, by the way, unless you have something really specific that you're just really good at, then go. You can coach people in that. But don't pretend that you have you can you can handle lots. Like there are some people who are what I call accountability coaches, right? And they coach people on holding them accountable for what they said they would do. Awesome. But don't venture outside of that. Don't be like, oh yeah, let's talk about some, you know like like something yeah. that's weird outside of your pay grade, if you like, you know. Um, like I like when somebody starts to come at me and I and I can tell like they're really and, and let's say in terms of like they're behaving in ways that are just outside of a certain range. I'm a, I'm not like, if they started say stuff like, um, I'm thinking about taking my own life. That's not appropriate for me to coach you. That's not appropriate. That's not,
0: you're going to need some other you and I should guidance. Not talk.
1: Come back to me, but you need to go talk to somebody who's that's their thing. Yeah. But, if you're like, I've resented my father for 30 years, I hate him. How can I let go of that? Let's go. Oh, come on. Or, yeah. you know, why do I feel like I'm a piece of shit? Come on, let's go. And by the way, not like, it's amazing. You know, people think that you just need to encourage people. If somebody thinks they're a piece of shit and you're like, no,
0: you're not a piece of shit. Like that's going to work. That's not going to work. Just go say affirmations. Right. You- I mean, I, I love Affirmations. But you need to do a lot of work <laughs> on facing what it is that you're trying to turn the thought around. Like, that's, I'm like, that's,
1: that's the problem that a lot of people don't understand. Like, uh, what, the, the reason why for a lot of people affirmations don't sense because you don't, don't work for you is because you don't believe it.
0: Yeah, like I
1: am, I am, I am. I'm not. I am, I am, I am. I'm not. I am, I am. I'm not. I am. I'm not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, <laughs> like you try to say yourself that. Do the work to understand, like really beyond an explanation. Yeah. Why you say you're not?
0: Yeah, what that's where I am. I, I early on was like all about affirmations and they're transformative. And then I saw though I'm actually doing a disservice in 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 a way if I'm not you know, making sure that I am and that I'm sharing with other people that they can't just say these positive statements. They have to look at what is keeping them from like, what are they telling themselves? What is right. happening? What is the doubt? What is the fear? What are the, I'm not enough. I'll never get this. And then to like ask yourself questions about that and ask, them, well, what do you want to believe? And then turning it and it, you might not be able to first get to I am this. So then it could be I believe that I'm never going to get enough job. And I am like trying to figure out how to work it in there. But yeah, like I was like, and I do, I still share a lot of affirmations, but I make sure to, I not make them just joy. And like naming the, the, you have to name the doubts and fears. You have to name the stuff that you don't want to hear that is happening in your mind (laughs) in order to be able to move through it, to see the positive. I'm not a
1: fan of positivity. I'm not a fan of being positive. (laughs) Fuck positive. Can you do it or not do it? Yeah, um, And that by the way, I'll tell you, like the most, the biggest victories of my life were when I was most negative. Like, the, the, like that was when, like, I would say that's probably one of the biggest strengths I've managed to gather for myself is, can I keep doing it when I don't want to? And if you can keep doing it when you don't want to, then you're good. You're gold. Because when that nice, warm, fuzzy feeling comes back and you do want to do it, then you can do it. And then when that's not there, you can still do it. That's really, I mean, my first book was written while the noise in my head was telling me this is shit. And it was every day, it was like, this is shit. You don't know what you're doing. you out your depths. You know, and that was the noise. And every day I would just flip open the laptop, type in some words, let's go. And, uh, and the noise at times was really loud, like really loud. Um, but I would keep typing until it got quieter. Yeah. I would be good again. Yeah. And that's that's the key for people. It's it's the it's the can you go beyond how you feel to produce a result that's consistent with who you are.
0: Love that. Hmm. And yeah, I'm the same. My brand is your joyologist, and I and some I can see where people must assume that I must always be about like sunshine and rainbows. Yeah. But I'm the same way. Like I was put on a panel and it was like a positivity panel and I was like, oh. Ah! I'm like, cause I do, I'm like, I don't believe actually in like, you have to turn your frown upside down. You have to see the glass full. I feel like I'm more of a realist. I see the, I look around and see what is true. And then I, allow myself to push myself into like, okay, well, what can I make my experience of this be? Like, what do I sure. want to see? And what do I want what, like, whatever, but to really make sure I'm seeing the full picture and not just trying to let me just look over here. I'm just going to look up. I'm not going to see all this stuff. That's terrible. The- and
1: <laughs> I, I would much rather work with people who like are cynical. Like I'd much, people are like, this is shit. I'm like, Oh
0: yeah. Because awesome. I feel like they're being more honest. Right. Like, they're actually awesome. seeing.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. And so but, but, you know, it's, again, it's one of my bugbears, you know, when people are like, just focus on the positive. But there are people out there who their experience of themselves is that they can't, like that's not available for them. And so when somebody says, well, just focus on the positive, they're like, screw you. You don't get what this is like. So I'm very much on their, their side. I'm like, yeah, like let's talk about what that's like for you. Not too long. But let's talk about it. And then let's talk about, well, what's a strategy we could put together? That if we put this strategy together, even when you're that way, looking for certain cues and hints and tips, that if you were that way, you could still do this, right? Which takes you back to that whole kind of philosophy of uh, stoicism of you're not your feelings. You know, you have feelings. That's right. Are your feelings important? Yeah sometimes not that important yeah (laughs) i'm not (laughs) everything
0: um okay okay
1: it's okay to be pissed off and down it's all fine that's okay don't make that wrong
0: yeah because that's another thing then you're like piling the feelings on top of the feelings
1: right it's kind of like getting depressed about being depressed
0: (laughs) yeah okay so now you have how many books out now and you just came out with is the audiobook out? It's
1: coming out. It's coming out any day now. So, um, the. Well, it'll
0: probably be out by the time right, this is out. 21st. Which,
1: so, I've got three books. This new audiobook is coming out. Then, i got another book coming out at the end of this year. Then, another audiobook coming out early next year. And then, another. Oh, also, and
0: what it made you, because I believe all your book titles include the sure. F- Yes. So no, what then no, made you no. then lead one into that?
1: Say, one of them just what, say shit.
0: Yeah. So um, what, like, was that just part of you, like, became an authentic part of you that you wanted to put out there? Was that you wanting to use those words to get attention? Like, not to get attention, but yeah. like, you because know, that's a big thing to put. I sure. even, yeah, like, one of my sayings has always been fuck the shoulds, do the once. And so now I'm writing this book about eliminating shoulds, and it is the. Do I'm thinking about just going with F the shoulds, and I'm like, do I want to use a curse word on the top of my book or on the front of my All book right, or well, not? well, can I
1: give you the background on it? So when I, I wrote my first book, I self-published. Oh, okay. On the Amazon platform. Yeah. And I, I, I eventually I sold uh, 30,000 copies of that book in my own. And for anybody that's ever self-published, 500 copies is an international bestseller in the pub- self-publishing <laughs> world, right? And uh, what's more likely is you sold 28 copies, 27 of whom went to your mother and her friends, right? That it's it's hard, right? It's very hard, a uh, very challenging way to get your message out, right? And I thoroughly encourage people to do it. It's a brilliant process. But uh, when I when I wrote that book, and I knew I wanted to call it earth Yourself," right? I knew I wanted to call it that. But there was only one other book. There was two books out there in the world that had a curse word in the title, right? One of them, the curse word, the curse word was badass. Oh,
0: well, right. You are right? a badass. That
1: was, uh, that was the
0: curse word. Which was, has became a huge book. Right.
1: Oh, yeah. So I spoke to a few people and they all said, don't do it. Don't do it. And uh, they said, you, you won't be able to advertise anywhere. Facebook won't let you advertise, you know. Uh, Amazon won't even let you advertise. They'll carry your book. They won't let you advertise. Right. And then I thought, I don't care. Like, it's got to be me. Because I
0: cursed. And that felt like you wanted to use that title because that felt like the most, this is what I want. Yeah. This is the message. Like,
1: I mean, people were saying to me, you know, your book should be called Go Get It. Like, what the? F- I don't talk that way. I don't go get it. I would do, you, you can do That's not me. I'm like you're an asshole like I should call it that you know and, and and so I was I was willing at that time like I still am to just live and die with who I am I mean what am I supposed to do and and the thought that was in my mind I remember when I first kind of started to build this notion that I would be an online presence and I and I I went to a marketing company and I spoke to them and, and they had this image of me as if I was going to be sitting there in my blue blazer and chinos, you know, like, you can do it. <laughs> Which I was just like, oh, my God. We
0: can market this version of you.
1: And I just, I said to them, you guys, you're so, like, you guys are relating to me like I'm Ariel Speedwagon and I'm the fucking Sex Pistols, right? And those were the actual words I used. And they were all like, love it. oh, you're the Sex Pistols. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm like kicking the door in. And you guys have got me ringing the bell, shouting you hoo So I was committed. Like, if I'm going to do this, I'm just going to go all in, you know. And, again, I had a lot of people saying, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And the thing is, when you've got an edgy title like that, you'll get a – well, then, anyway, you got a little bit of interest. Like, people are like, oh, there's your title, you know. Yeah. But I got way more bad news than good news. Like, oh, well, uh, you know, why did you pick a title like that, you know. And then so I, had, you know, and, and, and it was a, at that point in this, in, in the publishing world, it was a much bigger burden than a selling point. And I mean way bigger. It was a way bigger burden than a selling point. What eventually pulled me through was the content. Because there's only a handful of curse words in the entire book. The content people loved that they were like, "This book is great!" Like you know, and I was online on Facebook doing Facebook Live and reading the book to people, and then I taking questions and telling people about why this might apply to their life. And what I noticed really quickly is people would buy a copy, and then they'd buy four copies for their friends, and then I was like, "Oh, this must be good. People must, you know." And and then within, I think six months. I had an offer from a publisher. I got an agent. And then I think we eventually solicited something like 20 offers for the book. Like people wanted that. Publishers wanted that. And majors. were they
0: trying to change the name when they were going to take it into publishing? Or they were just, no? this guy's Only, only
1: the publisher that I eventually went with, HarperCollins, One. Uh, Harper actually, they didn't want to change anything about the book. Not the cover. Not the content nothing
0: that's
1: so awesome they said we're just going to take it off the shelves for two months turn it into a hardcover get it printed up and re-release it and I'm like and it was a big risk for me at the time it's a massive risk because I was making good money (laughs) you know it was great I was selling thousands of copies a month you know and as a self-published author you're getting a big chunk of that money you know which is very different from when you're published from a major publisher you know you get right
0: so you know part of you think maybe i just stick with the self-publishing this money is rolling in and going to me
1: right so then so then you're left with like i always come back to this point so it's such a freeing thing for me but that's
0: about me right if they publish it it has the more potential to reach more people that's about them get into (laughs) bookstores around the world with ease rather than me, like, banging down the door. What an asshole I would be like, oh, no,
1: let me just keep it here because I make more money. Like, that was never my, like, screw it. Like, the chance that somebody in some corner of, you know, Albuquerque could get it at the local bookstore. No, I'm doing that, right? I'm definitely doing that. It was, it was, it was, it was just a completely, like, a no-brainer to me, like, I'll do it. And it was a big risk in terms of like the income, but I I was never in this for the money. I just was never in this for the money. You know, really, like authentically, uh, you know, I was in it to make a difference for people, so. But they took it, and uh, they kind of honored my approach, which is always based in this just kind of unrelenting authenticity. And, And it just kept growing and growing and growing. You know, we would sell, five thousand, six thousand copies a week, you know, every week it was saying that's just a hardcover, that's not an audiobook. And it was just going and going and going. And it's still the book that book still sells about the same amount of copies every week as it's always done. That's amazing. It still sells it's still one of the top twenty audiobooks in the country, week in and week It's sold over a million audiobooks, over two million copies overall. And and it's people have found it unbelievably useful. Um, do I make money from it? Yeah, but that's just like, you know, that's like kind of winning the lottery, I guess, a little bit. Like I wasn't anticipating that. And I certainly wasn't relying on that. And I think that shows with people. I think people know that when they read stuff from me, it's about them, you know, very very rarely do I, you're one of the few people I've ever I ever really talked about my life to. Not because I'm hiding some. It's just because it's kind of boring. You know, it's kind of like I'm, I'm more interested in some unemployed single mother in Philadelphia struggling with her life or some yeah. guy who was abused when he was ten and you know, I'm I'm more interested in them. I'm more interested in like or some somebody who's been stuck in a point of view or stuck with a belief or you know, I'm I'm more interested. That's way more fascinating to me, way more inspirational, if you like, you know, to use your life for a purpose that's greater than your own. It doesn't get any better than that as far as I'm concerned.
0: I totally agree. I love to get into people's journeys though for the people that are listening yeah. and make up, oh, this person's a best selling author. They life must have always been this way or something right. like that. So I like to get into people's stories because okay. I'm hoping that people listening can see something from themselves in that and then open up the door. Yeah. They're yeah. starting I mean, to look at their own lives differently. I
1: totally get it. You know, if anything, I'd want your listeners to get it just, there's nothing extraordinary happening over here. You know, this is, I'm, a, I'm an ordinary man who took a jump.
0: <laughs> all right. Let's quickly get to the things that I ask everybody. So, first, I'm going to bring up an image of I have a product line, and these are all phrases that go on the keychains. Yeah. So I ask every guest to pick, not necessarily which one is their favorite, um, but which, key, which phrase they would like the, their, in their life as a reminder um, every, right now.
1: I think, um, I think just let that shit go. Yeah? Yeah.
0: And why is that? Um, because I'm, you know, like it's
1: Jean-Paul Sartre, the French existentialist got that life is empty and meaningless like it doesn't fucking mean anything it's all just what you make up in your head <laughs> and um so the shit you're letting go seems like it's a big deal it's not it's all meaningless bullshit no one will even know you were fucking here in 200 years.
0: <laughs> love it okay what is a go-to that you do to raise your joy levels
1: well just just like i, I take one look at my children like i'm I'm moved by them. Like, I, you know, don't get me talking about my kids. I'll bowl like a big baby. I just, I'm knocked out by them. I'm just so privileged at the opportunity that I get to be someone for for another human being like that. And it really is like who you get to be for someone. That's an honor. Like it's, some of your listeners, by the way, they're somebody's sister. They're somebody's brother, somebody's neighbor. Like you get to be someone for people. And if you actually start to open your eyes to that, like who you get to be for people, then, then life becomes a lot more fun. It's a lot more like shit. Like it's a game. It's not, not a, I'm not aspiring to something. I'm expressing something.
0: Love that. Love that idea of shifting that who I get to be for them. Um, Okay, ask everybody how to place this phrase to their own life. What is easiest for you is not always what is best for you. Can Hmm. you think of a way to apply this? What is easiest for me is to do blank. What is best for me is to do this. What
1: is easiest for me is to talk. So there was um, another philosopher. I think it was Edmund Husserl. I'm quoting philosophers here like I'm expert in all of them. I'm not, but there's some that I do read quite a bit. But anyway... I believe it was Husserl, who was more of a speaker than a writer. Like, and he didn't really like writing. He he really just loved to go talk. And to me, like some of my best ideas have come as I'm just in full-on conversation, but something like it comes to life for me. So that's easy. What's best for me though is to write that shit down. Like I don't always do that. I'm always like, oh, there's plenty more where that came from. You know, I've got tons of shit. <laughs> so I'm like
0: nodding my head. Like, <laughs>
1: right, I'm like, I don't know what is. and so the problem is though there's been like brilliant things people said. remember that thing you said, and I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. The last question is the name of the podcast is claim it because I believe we are so often putting things outside of ourselves. You know, oh, once I do this, have this, be this, have the nice car, marry this person, whatever, then I'll feel joyful, fulfilled, successful, enough, worthy. Yeah. But you're usually just chasing it. You you know, get the thing and then move on to the next. And so I feel we have to claim it for ourselves every day, sometimes every moment of the day, because the bullshit stories come up. So what are you claiming for yourself right now?
1: My power. You know, I'm I'm a fucking force of nature. I don't always feel like it, but my acknowledging that and being aware of that, I'm a force of nature. When I join up what I say with what I do, there's no... I put this, there's this little thing that I said a while back, I said, whatever you're up to in life, you have to make it so compelling, so irresistible, so undeniable, that no one can question it, that it's so radically freaking great, it's success is only down to you. That's it. Own your power.
0: Love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much. I'm definitely going to link to all your books and all your things and send everybody your way. Love you and your message. Right, thank
1: you so much. A great interview.
0: <laughs> You're welcome. All right. Thank you for hanging in and tuning in. <laughs> Go check out Gary and all of his books. You can follow him on social media at Gary John Bishop. Find them at GaryJohnBishop.com. You can find me, of course, at trishahuffman.com, at underscore trishahuffman. Please share the episode, tag us. I love to know that you're listening. If you haven't yet, please follow the podcast. It's that little plus sign you see when you're listening to the podcast. They now call it follow instead of subscribe. And leave a review. If you do leave a review, screenshot it and send it to me at podcast at yourdryologist.com, and I will send you a gift from my product line. For the final thought of the day, I'm going to go back to the initial conversation with Gary and the it's all love and fear. That's it. Nothing else. And I want to ask you to look at a current fear you have and where you can switch it to love.